Dan now, and Twitter's broken, so did anyone actually watch any footy last weekend? In case you missed it, we had a draw, a kick after the siren to win it all, blowouts, and an absolute debacle in the West. So what will we see this week? Who knows? That's why we're here. This is the Weekend's Watch List, brought to you by the Fans Eye View podcast. And uh, with me, as always, is Nikki G, the fans fan, the number one man in the office when it comes to Supercoach, when it comes to Hawks, <laughs> and it comes to being a passionate supporter. And so I have a yeah. question without notice for you. Yeah. Would you ever consider protesting outside the MCG because of the way <laughs> one of your players has been treated unfairly by those bloody white maggots? No, no. I think that's next level enough. Uh, I don't think I've reached that level yet. So the uh, audience members who haven't read yesterday's uh, ripping article by John Ralph, that this is how uh, you know much non-news goes on between the rounds. I think around 11 to round 21, mm. there's 10 weeks of no news. So yeah. uh, Angie McCarthy runs a Collingwood Facebook group. And she attended the VFL on the weekend. The Collingwood played Frankston. Yeah. Uh, Collingwood won by a thousand points. Yeah. They would do. Uh, but there was a melee, and eleven players have been suspended mm, uh, because uh, you know a forearm was on the throat after you know Ginevan remonstrated with someone. Yeah. And uh, they don't. The Collingwood Facebook group does not like how Ginevan's being treated by umpires at both AFL and VFL level, and they are determining it that it's so unfair that it has seen him go from an Anzac Day medal-winning player yeah. to a VFL 2's Magoo's player. And they're putting his form down to the way he's been treated. By the umpires in particular. By the umpires. By, by extension, the AFL. And so she wrote a letter to the AFL Integrity Office. They said, oh, we let the umpires umpire. This is more about you know gambling, match-fixing, drug use, <laughs> illegal stuff. Yeah. And she said, that's not good enough. So she's organised a protest. Which will, which will occur as early as Friday night after the Doggies-Pies game at Marvel, but it will be happening at the MCG. Oh, it's the, after the game. After the game. So they're going to – Doggies or whoever wins, wins, and then they the fans will leave the oh. stadium and they will walk down to the park, Yarra Park, at the MCG, and they will stand and support their man, Ginevan, Jeez. at 11 p.m. I don't know too much about protests, but Angie – you got to be if you want to do a protest. You got to do it properly. You don't do it after the game. You do it before or during when you know when when the cameras are on and you you want to make your your voice heard. Mm. And why at the MCG if the game's at Marvel? Uh, I find that extremely. They should do a walkout. Yeah, exactly. They should. There's been plenty of those in the number? A League. Do you know if they're off the uh, thirty three? Thirty three. So yeah. if any of the quarters go to thirty three minutes, yeah, <laughs> all of the fans need to walk out. Yeah. And then maybe Ginevan can come down because he's obviously not in the side because of the way he's been treated by the umpires means he's no longer being picked in the the singles team. So he could be there outside the stadium. Yeah. Put a banner up in the crowd or something. Every 33 minutes, they walk out and they stand with him. Yeah. And then they come back in, obviously watch next quarter. Same thing happens. (laughs) Four protests in one. You can have that idea for free. Yeah, exactly. would, Would you throw a protest about anything if you had to? Oh, I think... I'm all for, like, the Premier League style, you know, glazes out, I want okay. my club back stuff. Yeah. Like, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, And, like, enough. you know, all, all these clubs are publicly owned by the, by the members and it's all non-for-profits. So all the reasons to protest, like, you know, my CEO or my president doesn't want to spend any money. Yeah. We don't have those issues in AFL. So. Yeah. 
there's nothing really to protest. Yeah, yeah. No, very, very good point. Oh, I got close to protesting, I think, when Sicily copped a three-game suspension. I reckon I was uh, about to head down to AFL House to make my voice heard. Uh, my girlfriend had to hold me back a little bit. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's probably the closest I've gotten recently. Have you ever written a letter to the coach? No, no. Because I remember really. uh, going to – I did a tour of the Essendon Hangar one, one day. Not sure why I ended up at the Essendon Hangar, but I did. Yeah. And I included a sit-down with Mr. John Worsfold. Okay. And um, he had he has like a drawer yeah. of letters from fans and members. Oh, boy. Saying yeah. like, you know, why isn't this person playing? Why isn't that person playing? Oh, and God. like you said, he always writes back, um, thanks for your concern. However, um, we're a solutions-based business here. So not only should you tell me who should be in the side, but you should also tell me who you should drop from the first team as well if you want to see your player who's always in the twos and the ones or vice versa. And uh, yeah. apparently the fans were like, oh, I didn't think about that. This coaching business is pretty hard. And he was like, well, you know, there's the education piece. Oh, so. Exactly. But uh, it'll be very interesting to see how he turn up. It'll be very interesting to see him continue to form around. Um, <laughs> yes. Do, what do, do you think it is the umpire's fault or... Is he just, you know, a fringe player that got lucky and won an Anzac Day medal? Um, I think he's got potential. I think he's maybe suffering a bit of the case of the second-year blues maybe a little bit. Um, it tends to happen with draftees. Uh, you know, they can have dips in confidence. They can may- maybe get a little bit fatigued. It happens. It happens to a lot of new players. Mm. Um but no, I wouldn't be putting it down to the umpires. I can understand why they might think he approaches the game different because, you know, as we've seen from Ginevan over the last um, year or so, he can tend to play for free kicks. And then the rules changed where, you know, if the player drops their knees or plays for a too high free kick, um, it's play on. So, yeah, I guess that has affected his game a little bit. He did kick a, kick a few goals from that. But, you know, it's the coach's job to, you know, coach that out of him, um, teach him new parts of the game, add strings to his bow. And, you know, you can't blame the umpires um, that he hasn't been able to execute that. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't write that off. He's, he's a very talented kid and he's got a big future ahead of him. Still a lot of time on his side. So um, yeah, I don't, it's not really, you shouldn't really be blaming the umpires for it, but just get behind the kid and, Hope that he can bounce back. Yes, but shout out to the Collingwood fans for getting down to VFL games. That is true Definitely, fandom. Yeah. Yep. You are peak nuffies. You are protesting <laughs> the weirdest thing I've seen in the AFL in a long, long time. Um, but good on you. That's what the fans I've used all about. Couple mm. of nuffs talking footies. Speaking of nuffs, uh, obviously we said it's a dearth of media going on at the moment. And so now we get into weird stat chat. Okay. What is... Your, what do you think is the least relevant stat ever tracked in footy? Uh, least relevant stat. Um, I might have to think about this one. I, I don't know, from the top of my head. Because uh, today I've just seen an article release because obviously I think it's the Telstra tracker that tracks how far and fast players run. Okay. And we've yeah. had our yearly uh, announcement of who is the fastest player. Right. Would you like to guess who it is? I mean, it could be anyone because not everyone reaches top speed during an AFL game. Yeah, so. so the fastest top speed recorder was in round one yeah. by Gary Rowan. There you go. There you go. He reached the top speed of 37.8 kilometers per hour. Yeah. And that, I don't, I don't know a single person who cares. No. Do, why, well, would, why would I care? Well, it doesn't matter. 
Like I, I said, I don't even know why they track it. Yeah, exactly. Other than so Telstra can put our sponsorship up. Yeah, but we have you know as a part of our uh, business is to uh, work out you know how to work out sponsorship options. Yeah. I've never thought to be like, oh, we should track how fast people are. <laughs> Again, like you said, it, it's it's an ad. It's it's a good little marketing thing, I guess, for Telstra. Internet speed and all that. But yeah, like you said, useless. It's a useless stat. Because mm-hmm. it, do, it doesn't matter how fast players run during a game. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the measurement of how fast they run. And yeah, no, players don't tend to reach top speed and a lot of factors go into it. Um, Gary Rowan, round one, you said, so he's probably got fresh legs Super compared fresh. to someone who's playing in round 10 and yeah. obviously the times of the quarters as well and what quarter it is, it all it all factors in. So, yeah, it's a useless stat. And it's also, again, to bring up the Premier League, I remember seeing it midway through the year and I think everyone was piling into Man United start, slow start of the season and the first stat they go to is the kilometres run total for the team yeah i'm just like as was, you're not doing running race are you who mm. who cares how far you ran yeah like just kick the football better yeah true it true. really doesn't matter things that also don't matter uh today there was a deep dive analysis from our friends at champion data shouts to them they revealed a startling stat this stat is startling <laughs> they worked out that goal kicking goes down in winter jeez you would have thought when it's wet and it's windy yeah, and you play in weird places like Alice Springs on the weekend. That's your goal it. kicking is less accurate. Yeah, would you have thought that? No, I wouldn't. But I'm actually int- like, it's it's interesting to hear that they've actually um, brought that up. Yeah, I, but like, yeah, obviously, like when you think about it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not surprising at all. Speaking of surprise, let's move into some more surprising media chat. I've got all, all the theme this week is coaching, but the first one I want to bring up is super coach. Yeah. So, uh, Clary is angry. Oh, yeah, and I'm we angry. A, we had some uh, social media, uh, a small, I don't think it quite reached, you know, viral status, but mm. a, a small flu of uh, this video was passed around. Uh, it showed Clary having a go at his fitness manager. Yeah. Um, I can't really read the lips that well, but obviously I think he wanted to play and he failed some fitness tests and he had a bit of a party. Yeah. He threw the toys out of the cot and... Um, yeah, so uh, there's been all these reports saying that he wanted to play. He didn't. Can't, he keeps pulled up. He's had a setback. He he can't play. Yeah. Should Melbourne just let him play? Should well, they trust the player? Because this is the old this is the old head take. It's yeah. like no one knows your body better than yourself. Like if you want to go to a grand final under Dunn, you just get in there because Clary's their best player and they need him. Yeah. No, I mean if he, if he's not a hundred percent, if the it's the doctor's job to determine that, and if he's not a hundred percent, then don't play him. Obviously. What angers me, though, is what did Melbourne get wrong all those weeks ago when Oliver did get injured? Because he apparently had a tight hamstring. He played out the rest of the game, did well. Um, He was only meant to miss maybe a week or two tops, and he's missed six now, I'm pretty sure. Even, like, obviously they had the buy in between. Um, He apparently recovered, and then he had an infected blister which he missed a week for, but then the hamstring came back. So are Melbourne lying? Did they just get it wrong? What happened? Just come out and be honest. Just so that's, don't- that's an interesting point is that how would, would clubs lose anything if they were just honest? 
No. So like he get hurts his hamstring. Everyone's everyone seems always on the plate. It's like oh, yeah. you know, after the game they're like oh you know it's probably a three to four week. Yeah. And we always have we always have to add the tax on being like okay three to four it's probably six. Yeah. Why not, do they lose anything by saying it's six? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think just come out and be honest because mm. um, it's not like teams. I mean, you could argue teams prepare differently if Oliver was playing, you know, the opposition um, would prepare a bit differently. But I don't think it, you know, really matters that much. And it's interesting you brought that up because Geelong have also um, been, uh, I guess, people have accused them of uh, being a little bit too secretive around their injury list if you've taken a look at it recently they don't list players as one week away two weeks away four weeks away they put short term medium term long term now i believe that fans and the general public should have full transparency with injuries you know they're they're paying your memberships they're going to your games they're giving the club money tell them how long their players are out for I think that's the least that they could do. So um, I think the AFL should step in and fix stuff like that. And it is interesting because people, I know, might be shouting out of being like, who cares? Well, I think A fans care. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, not everyone plays super coach, but there's a big proportion of people that do. And that, <laughs> that is very important. Yeah. But also as, as things like, you know, if you're a K a country fan, for instance, you live out in Shepparton, it's a four-hour yeah. trip to Melbourne. Yeah. You really like Clayton Oliver. Yep, exactly. There's no, like... And you're like, I, I might want to watch it on. The, I'll always watch it on TV. But if Clayton's playing, you know what? I might make that trip to Melbourne. Yeah. Well, if you say he's going to play, and I've made that trip to Melbourne, and all of a sudden, oh, he's another late exclusion. Well, then I've made this big old trip to Melbourne for no yeah, reason because point. my favourite player's not there. So there is like a legitimate reason why the fans should know. Um, and I don't think, like, I think that your opposition is going to plan for if he does play or yeah. if he doesn't play. It's not like, oh, sorry, oh, we're pulling on you. Exactly. Your whole game plan's ruined now. Can we change one player? I, I think clubs are sophisticated nowadays to come over those little um, shenanigans that yeah. they used to play back in the day when, you know, Kevin Chitty was coach of this. So yeah. I don't think that's a big deal. Shout-outs to Clayton Oliver. He wants to, he wants to play. And uh, to borrow a joke from Tyus O'Reilly, he was like, the footage of Clayton Oliver arguing a practice with a trainer because he couldn't keep training showed just how far the deeds have come under Mark Neal. The players didn't want to train at all. <laughs> so uh, good images. Everyone's getting hard into him. Like, why isn't he trying harder to get back in the... I think he's trying as hard as he can. So uh, shout-outs to him. Speaking of coaches... Uh, let's get into our, in case you missed it, uh, headlines of the week. And, Nick, big yeah. question. Should the AFL ensure, guarantee, that Dimmer is the coach of the Gold Coast next year? No. I don't think it's the AFL's decision. They might want something more than the other, but ultimately Gold Coast are their own independent club. They can come up with their own decisions, can't they? You would have thought so, but the, the rumour mill is hot. Car- Caroline Wilson... Oh has come out and she strongly believes. Now, that it's not a source quote then. As we know, that when she finally finds something out, she goes with sources say. She yeah. Goes sources close to the... To the but now this one was just a strongly believe. Mm. So she's coming after Stewie Dew. Stewie Dew hasn't liked it. Prior to 360, he came out and basically said, everyone's wanted me to lose my job for the last 18 months. It was meant to be Clarko's job. Now it's Dimmer's job. Um, so I don't know what Stewie Dew's done to piss off the media, but he's done yeah. something. Um, but... Do you think Stewie has to go? Is he a good coach for the Suns? Are the Suns doing okay or do they they need to rehaul the coach again? Obviously, last week was very disappointing for Gold Coast. Um, And 
look, the Suns, they're expected to make finals now, aren't they? They've been expected to make finals the last couple of years. So I can understand why Stewie Chu um, is under pressure. I think it would be a bit premature to let him go before the end of the season. Um, again, it's it's frustrating at times watching the Suns play and they continue to disappoint us at, in different stages. But yeah, to make that call at this stage of the season or in the next month or so is a bit premature. I think what Drew has done overall, he's been okay for the Suns. I think he's built a really good list and they're only going to get stronger next year. And I'm, I'm not convinced that Dim is exactly the right man to take over. Especially if you believe Dim's word. Like he had a press conference and he said, I'm burnt out from football. Exactly. And I don't want to coach anymore. Exactly. And then he stopped coaching. Yeah. And then he went on a podcast and Dill Buckley from Dylan Friends asked him, do you want to coach again? And he said, yeah, probably. Yeah. Didn't say next year. Didn't say I want to coach Gold Coast. Didn't say anything else other than that. He had a one-sentence line out of an hour-and-a-half-long podcast, and yep. all of a sudden everyone's like, oh, he's back. He's back at the Gold Coast next year. Exactly. And to our point a few weeks ago, how often do, um, I guess, proven coaches or coaches that have had previous success at other clubs um, bring success to a new club? He's an experienced coach, yeah, but is he going to guarantee a premiership for Gold Coast? No. And also to the point of Dimmer's own history – he was on the brink of having the same thing happen to him. Exactly. And so my other point here about coaches this week was uh, apparently Caroline Wilson, she's ripping out the headlines this week. <laughs> uh, veteran journalist, massive news on three AFL coaches. The second AFL coach, of course, is Ken Hinckley, and she says that Ken Hinckley is definitely staying. Now, that's all well and good, but if you were Ken Hinckley, would you stay? Because obviously at the start of the year, Warren Treadray, yeah. Club Grey came out and said it was untenable that he stays. Yes. And that was after like, I don't know, three rounds. Yes. Right. And then, you know, they've won 13 out of 15. <laughs> They're equal first on top of the ladder. Yeah. Uh, and obviously they'll probably re-sign him. But would you stick to your moral high ground and be like, you know what? Stuff yeah, I'm going somewhere else. I think what the media says and what the fans say is a lot different to what the club says within their own four walls. So I think Ken Hinckley, yes, he's left a lot of eggs on faces outside of the club, but um, inside the club, who knows? He's probably always been respected. They've probably always given him the respect he deserves and and credit to them for sticking with him and for Ken to you know keep pushing on and proving the doubt is wrong. Look, if, if that contract extension comes up again, I think I think you'd take it. I mean, you know. Would you, if you were David Koch, and, you know, who does want to be David Koch, <laughs> uh, sign him early, though, because he's very adamant saying, oh, we can't sign you to August. Is there a chance that you upset Ken so much that he's like, you know what, I'm going to go coach Richmond. I'm going to go coach Girl Coast. Like, yeah. I'm going to go, go someone who respects me or like a president that respects me. Could we have seen in the past Clarko yes. blow ups with presidents? Yes. And it yeah, does it end happens. coaching tenureships. Yes, it does. Yep. Um, it could. I, I, again, it could depend a lot on what happens this year at Port Adelaide, what happens in September. Because um, chances are their season will end with a loss. Like there's, if, if they wait, again, it meant to be August, so maybe they resign August and it's all great. But, like, if they wait to the end of the year, well, then, you know, statistically speaking, it's more likely than not that they're going to end with a finals loss. Everyone's going to be really upset. Ken didn't do it again. 
But if they make the grand final, I think that's a pass mark. Yeah, that's a very high pass mark, isn't it? But if they get smashed in a prelim again, yeah, if they get smashed in a prelim again, then yes, obviously um, the questions will come up. Oh, can he not do it in finals and all that sort of stuff? I, I th- yeah, I don't know. Again, the people inside the four walls know best. I think this is a decision that needs to wait until the end of the season, though. Okay. Because a few good weeks, again, doesn't really... Because uh, th- they have been, um, I guess, clouded in the past from recent results. That recency bias has played a part in, in a few contracts. So, yeah, you just got to be careful about it. You don't know what September brings and the off-season. So, I just... Keep it under wraps for now. But I also do like a bit of the um, – we have the new coach bounce, but I reckon there's also the re-signed coach bounce because doggies at the start of the year were on very poor form. Bevo gets extended and everyone's yeah. like, oh, my God, why are they extending Bevo? And then all of a sudden, you know, dogs are now, you know, top eight, looking on looking on the top four, looking mm. pretty good again. So I think the long term with coaches is much better than the short term, and that's kind of the point, I suppose, with the Suns. Gold Coast currently 12th. You said finals is a pass mark. They're literally one win outside the eight. They are. Yeah. So there's no reason for calling for, you know, Stuart Jews sacking. They lost to Gold Coast by 60. Yeah. Sorry, they lost to Collingwood by 60. Like, it's Collingwood. Yeah. They're really good. Yeah. Yes, it was at home. You didn't want that to happen. It was a big crowd. It was a big audience. But at the end of the day, that's just football. And you mentioned, obviously, Dimmer is one of those coaches that could have been let go a bit premature. He ended up, I think it was in 2017, there was calls for him to be sacked. And then obviously they win the premiership later on that year. Same happened with Clarkson as well with Kennett. Kennett wanted him. He, actually, no, Kennett wasn't at the club at the time, but he came out after round one in 2013 and said... One, Treadway style. Yeah. Unturn the ball, get rid of him. Should Yeah, or should be dropped to the VFL, I think his exact words were. And um, obviously Hawthorne, the rest is history. They, they won the premiership that year and won the two following that as well. So, yeah, probably, like you said, best to stick with your guns and see it out. And so speaking of guns, my last question relating to coaches this week is a pop quiz for you. Mm-hmm. You're a bit of a, a bit of a trivia nerd. Do you oh know who God. Hayden Skipworth is? Yes, former player for the Adelaide Crows and Essendon. Wow, there you go. You went here, like, bing, bing, bing. That is why he's is in the hot correct? chair. That's oh, incorrect. Adelaide and Essendon. Yeah. Uh, he's also the assistant coach of the Magpies. And uh, according to Gary and Tim, yeah. they see him every, every morning for breakfast, uh, they reckon that he's the best bloke to coach Richmond. Yeah. I think, personally, this is just who's good this year, Collingwood, who's their yeah. assistant. Oh, this guy. Yeah. Well, we better whack him in to new club. But what's your thoughts on, uh, you know, Hayden Skipsworth's amazing performance as an assistant coach for Collingwood this year? Well, I I'm, may know a bit about his playing career, but I don't know too much about his coaching career. Um, don't worry, Tim and Gary didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you'd hope if they do go for him, they've put in their groundwork on him as a coach. And, um, yeah, obviously this has been – this sort of um, path has been taken by a few clubs in recent years, always, you know, targeting Richmond's coaches, Geelong's coaches, Hawthorne's coaches. It's, it's happened before. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he's – he might be a no-name now in the coaching world, but uh, that's where they tend to come from. Yeah, and there's the quote uh, from uh, Gary Lyon. He says, a lot of good people at Collingwood and Craig McRae deserves – 
all the credit. So he's getting all of it. Justin okay. Lepich deserves lots of the credit, as does Brendan Bolton. But I hear Skipworth has been enormous and that anyone not going down this path would be negligent. Well, there you go. So he has a very engaging personality as well. So yeah. Cl- clearly a, a CV stacked full of potential premiership coaching ability there. Yeah. Um, and obviously Hayden Skipworth of uh, Adelaide and Essendon fame will mm. be coaching at Richmond next year, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> Things that we probably know a little bit more about. Match previews. We've been going all right in our previews of the games, of the vibes of what games are important, what games aren't important. We're going back to finals implications this week. We've got five games that I reckon will impact on the finals. Yeah. Um, and uh, I had a little bit of feedback last week that we didn't preview the Richmond-Brisbane game, and I think we found out why, because it wasn't relevant. The Tigers <laughs> are done. You knew that they going into it. <laughs> and they're going to play Sydney this week. Sydney's done as well. We're not previewing that game. The first game to preview... Uh, Bulldogs versus Collingwood at Marvel pre the protest Friday night. Yes. Uh, and uh, Beveridge's Dogs have uh, found themselves back in the eight after two straight wins. Yep. Um, but obviously the Pies are back in the headlines for all the right reasons. They won 13 out of 15. They thrashed the Suns by 78 points. Yep. Do the Dogs overcome their injury list and, you know, get a little upset at Marvel Stadium? And they are a bit of a hoodoo team for the Pies as well. They are, and it, it's possible. Yes, like you said, Marvel Stadium, the Dogs do love to play there. Um, and they did overcome the uh, the by hoodoo last week. They were the first mm. team to break that, um, overcoming the Dockers again at Marvel Stadium. And Collingwood missing Braden Maynard again and Brody Mychek. So they're down a couple of soldiers. Um, got a few young players playing. David King also came out and said Tom Mitchell might be the one that could get dropped for some reason. I don't know. Again, not effective with his disposal, something like that. Classic Tom Mitchell banter, yeah? Yep, exactly. So, yeah, look, this, this, like you said, this could have massive implications on the top eight. Bulldogs are in good form. Collingwood, obviously, in good form as well. Um, if, if the Dogs do happen to win this, they could very well cement them in the top eight in these closing uh, seven or eight rounds. So massive game Friday night, and I'm told it's a sellout as well. So huge game. So tipping competitions getting hard and harder to find upsets. Mm. Would you pencil this one? Would you risk it for an upset here? I think I would. Yeah, I'd, I'd tip the dogs here. Again, like I think Collingwood may be due for a loss. Um, probably aren't playing their, their best footy that we've seen just got over the line against Adelaide a couple of weeks ago. Yes, they blew away Gold Coast last week. Gold Coast were very disappointing, but again, I wouldn't be surprised if the Dogs come out and win this one. They've got the midfielders to do it. Um, they've got the forwards to, to you know put that scoreboard pressure on. So, yeah, it could be a very um, fast, exciting, high-scoring game of footy. And, yeah, I, I can definitely see the Bulldogs winning. Probably would be one that I'd tip, actually. There you go. I don't think it would be high-scoring, though, because the Bulldogs have been involved in the third lowest-scoring games of any team this year. They average only 160, so that's 80 points each. Yeah. Um, you know, high-scoring-ish in modern terms, but, yeah, not usually uh, massive points. And I think it actually goes against them because, obviously, the Pies, whether it's luck, whether mm. it's training, whether it's situational match fitness, but they are just very good at closing out games and very good at just getting a win. Yep. Regardless of how good or bad they're playing, regardless of you know how neat and polished it is, they just find a way to win. They're the best fourth quarter team in the competition. They are the best at 
restricting oppositions in the best in the fourth quarter as well. So mm. they can see the fewest points in fourth quarters and the fewest scoring opportunities as well. So I'm, I think it's hard to tip Collingwood against Collingwood ever for rest of the year now. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah. And I think, yeah, what they're, they're up to like 23 out of 25 wins like from last year as well. So it's pretty crazy that this, this run. And yeah. so, yeah, they are the best team in the competition currently yeah. with Port Adelaide probably. Um, and yeah, hard tip against them, but it wouldn't be bonkers. It wouldn't be, you know, melt memberships. It well, that's it. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be a huge upset. That's it. Yeah. But it's just hard to see, uh, see it happening. But yeah, that's yeah. why you play the games. Uh, one that may not be an upset, but we, we ruled them out. And potentially I owe the three Giants fans an apology. <laughs> yes. When we did our buy, sell, uh, hold mid-season review we I ignored to preview the Giants because I thought they would not make finals. Oh, credit, like, it's amazing though. One or two wins and they've shot up to 10th. Yeah. They were literally, what, fourth last a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Looking terrible. Toby Green wasn't playing. And now it yeah. just seems like Toby Green plays their win. So. Yeah. But a bit like, a bit like the Suns where... You, you get on board, they might string together two or three, three wins. Yeah, and then get they're on missing board. for a very long time. That's it. They let you down in the long run. But um, So this week they're playing Hawthorne yes. at Giant Stadium. The Saturday Twilight, the, the spot of the AFL weekend that is reserved for the Giants. It they, is. They love to play they do, Twilight fixture. They? they do, yeah. Um, so they'll be feeling very comfortable there at home in the setting sun. Yep. Since round 11, they've arguably been one of the best eight teams in the competition. They've beaten Geelong at Kandinia Park. They kicked 104 points and narrow loss to Richmond. They beat North Melbourne. They smashed Freo by 70. And last yeah. week they beat Melbourne in very weird circumstances yes. at Alice Springs during a monsoon. Yeah. So are you fearful of the Giants or do you think, you know, this is one that the Hawks actually have a sneaky chance in because, uh, you know, the Giants are a bit wishy-washy? Well, if it was any played anywhere else, I'd say potentially a chance. Uh, but Hawthorne have never won at the Giants Stadium. Never. <laughs> I can't remember what the total amount of games is. Is it six games there for six losses? Um, yeah, it's not a happy hunting ground at all. Uh, there's a bit of a hoodoo going on there. Giants are in fantastic form. Hawthorne, not so much. Yeah, this will be a Giants win. Fairly easy. But again, if it was played at the MCG or Tassie or anywhere else, um, it's it tends to be a lot closer. Hawthorne usually get the job done. Like I mean, almost earlier in the season during gather round when they played in Adelaide against each other, I think Hawthorne got within a couple of points. So that's just an example. But um, yeah, when it's played at the Giants Stadium, GWS usually uh, feel more comfortable and they they pile on the goals. So could could get ugly and yeah, it'll put the Giants right back into the mix for the eight. Mm. And so to focus a little bit on the Hawks and as well, as your number one Hawks pod man here in the office. Yes. Uh, interesting stat here. Since round 13, the Hawks have scored 18 points per game from clearances, ranked last in the AFL and uh, two and a bit goals below the AFL average. What's happened to the midfield? Um, it's, a, it's not so much winning the ball out of the midfield that's the issue, but yeah, they've, they've, they've had that issue where they... Um, they struggle to, I guess, their entries inside forward 50, they don't hit targets, they don't, um, yeah, they're not able to convert scores from their clearances. It's been a real struggle all season, that connect between the midfield and the forward line. Um, I, I, don't, I don't know what you really put it down to because, again, last week, I think there's something wrong in the forward dynamic. I don't know if I blame the midfield. Blame more the forwards. A lot of the focus goes towards Mitch Lewis. He's the only real capable tall down there. 
The Smalls are very young, uh, besides Luke Bruce, who won't be playing this week. Um, Chad Wingard only just got back into the team from playing a couple of weeks at the VFL level. So I don't think they've figured out their best forward six yet. Um, and that's I think that's something they need to focus on in the offseason as well. Even um, I think the forwards coach, Chris Newman, never really played forward for, for Richmond during his Richmond days, so it's a bit confusing. Um, yeah, that's still an area that needs to be fixed for the Hawks. Um, and yeah, I'd, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do for the rest of the season. Uh, obviously lacking tall options. Um, but yeah, we'll see, I guess. So there you go. The, uh, the yeah. sneaky tank is back on at the Hawks <laughs> as we uh, roll into the late stages <laughs> of the season. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another interesting game, probably for all the wrong reasons, St Kilda versus Melbourne at Marvel. Uh, both teams were very disappointing on the weekend. Melbourne, you know, had the game at a win. They were probably the more dominant side, but, you know, if you kick 12 behinds and only six goals, you're not going to win too many games of football. Clayton Oliver's missing, Bradley Fish will be missing. Yeah. Uh, they just look a bit flat. They look a bit, a bit knackered. Everyone's saying to ask questions, you know, do you roll Petrarca forward? Where do you put... Do you, you know, bring Van Ruin back up from the VFL? Do you do we kick out Ben Brown? Mm. Do we just start flinging the magnets around? Yeah. And uh, meanwhile, St Kilda almost lost to West Coast, whilst every other team is beating them by 100 points. Yeah. Which team's in worse form? Who would you rather be? Is this a chance for St Kilda at Marvel to sneak one over the, over the you know, the lacklustre demons? Or <laughs> is Simon Goodwin, Simon Goodwin, is yeah. uh, Ross Lyon... Almost close to being on the chopping block in his first year at the Saints. Chopping block again might be a bit premature. You you know what my stance is with Ross Lyon though, but I was I'll, it the I'll worst win chopping. you've ever seen? Yeah, oh, absolutely. That was ugly. That was hideous. They didn't deserve to win. I don't care what anyone says. That should have been a West Coast Eagles win last week. And you might think I'm lying, but I I wasn't surprised. I kind of saw a West Coast response coming and. Again, St Kilda aren't a heavy scoring team, so I never really thought they were going to win by 100 points or 80 points or whatever. I didn't think they'd pile on the goals. I thought West Coast may have been a sneaky chance. And, yeah, I I don't think they'll beat Melbourne this week. I don't think they're a very good football team. I know the ladder suggests different. Yeah, they're currently fifth. They're entrenched in fifth. They they didn't capitalise on the uh, percentage, so they got 109% now. They're way behind the other teams that have bashed up uh, West Coast. And so yeah. Melbourne, their current team they're going to be facing is on 126. So, you know, on what's that? 17 percentage <laughs> points higher. Massive gap. Yeah. yeah. But they have to be the luckiest team ever, St Kilda. It's just that the, the teams below them in that 5th to 12th bracket or 13th bracket, they're just not capitalising on the losses that St Kilda are having. Mm. Oh, even Melbourne, I guess, as well. But yeah. St Kilda, for me, they don't feel like a team that should be 5th. They have. They almost lost the West Coast. They lost the Hawthorne. They've lost some really winnable games. They're nine and six. That is not fifth. That is borderline eight. Mm. I know by points they are kind of still borderline, but they should be a lot lower than where they are. Especially when you got teams like Sydney and, and Carlton on over a hundred percent as well. So like their yeah. their ladder is actually quite weird this year. It's weird. It is. It's wonderful. Uh, lots of draws as well, which is always nice. But um, yeah. It's St Kilda is not a fifth place club, but there they are in fifth. Uh, again, very hard to pick them. They're missing Brad Hill and Seb Ross as well. 
yeah. um, um, and, and Max King still hasn't made it happen yet. That's so. it. Battle will also be out with concussion. So, yeah, they lost a few players last week in the West. But, yeah, I fully expect Melbourne to capitalise and pile on the goals. This could be the week we see St Kilda drop a few spots. Especially uh, stats-wise, it's just all of Melbourne's strengths. Melbourne's weaknesses at the moment is like obviously scoring. That won't matter too much because St Kilda doesn't yeah. score that many points. They're still ranked last in terms of their inside 50 efficiency, um, whereas the Demons are the best at defensive one-on-ones, are the best um, yeah, at conceding a score. They only concede 40% of the time anyway. So yeah. best defense against the worst attack. And then the Saints have this obsession with, with using the ball by foot, very methodical play, but they're not great kicks. So they've taken the most kicks per game this year and they have the worst efficiency. Yeah. So as we saw on the weekend, even their kicking skills are worse than West Coast, which is being fielded by half a waffle side. So weird, weird times at St Kilda. But I suppose if you're a St Kilda fan, it's very hard to be upset because you're yep. fifth. Yeah. So exactly right. Better than normal. Essendon versus Adelaide at Marvel Stadium. This could be the most important game of the year so far. Yeah. Your Adelaide Crows, the other bird team that you follow, <laughs> hanging on to the eight by the scruff of their little wings. Yeah. Uh, the Bombers on the outside looking in. Um, who we trust here at Marvel? Is it, are Essendon as good as their fans say they are? You told them about 10 weeks ago to woo up. Yeah. They needed to woo up because they wooed up themselves. Yeah. Now they're back. They were extremely unlucky last week, the Bombers. I yeah. really felt uh, for did. their supporters. You didn't, you didn't <laughs> You're on Twitter just going with some oh. troll troll emojis. That's okay. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I didn't feel bad, but I would have hated to be in their position. Yeah. It was a really tough way to lose. Um, yeah, coming out of the bye now, they've lost two games. Um yeah, and the, the, this one's obviously a really tough one to judge as well. Marble Stadium obviously suits the Bombers, but Adelaide, on the other hand, we know how they love to score. Um, maybe they're not as bad away from home as we thought because they nearly knocked off the Pies at the MCG a couple of weeks ago. Um, it just seems like they're, they're getting more confident in their game style, Adelaide. Um, and obviously, they piled on the goals last week against North Melbourne. They kicked 21 of them, so um, they're an extremely dangerous outfit. How, yeah, like you said, this is going to be a really interesting game. Both similar spots on the ladder, finals on the line for both teams, and yeah, I guess we still we're still not sold on the Bombers, but I guess we're still not sold on Adelaide playing away from home. So, yeah, this will this game will really tell us a lot about both clubs, and yeah, I think I'm probably leaning more towards the Crows though. Uh, they just seem like they're playing a better brand of footy and it's amazing how perception uh, plays a big part because right now I think Adelaide are a better team than St Kilda who mm. we just spoke about but somehow they're you know lower on the ladder uh, lo- below the Saints so yeah very interesting game I'll be tipping the Crows yeah and it's a game where Adelaide can kind of prove their chops I think part of it also is the fact that I suppose Adelaide can play with that freedom of spur, no expectation there really. Yeah. Like if they make finals, it's probably well ahead of schedule for them in comparison to where they started the year. Whereas Essen missing out on finals again mm. will be a massive disappointment. And yeah, I think last week, yeah, like they lost by a kick, so they, they were there, like they were there to win the game. Yeah. But it's just yet another example of Essen not quite living up to the moment. Yeah. 
and they've done that so often now in the last few seasons. Yeah. And so I think this is another this is another moment, another you know milestone, sliding doors moment for the season. Adelaide gets a free swing; they're not expected to win away. Slightly you know less development in their in their squad and in their list. So yeah, I reckon the free swing here and this could be. It won't be an upset, it be a 50-50 game, but yeah, yeah, goes away. And then suddenly they are confirming that they are better than the St Kilda's of the world, the Fremantle's of the world, yeah. that are in spots where they probably shouldn't be. So, mm. yeah. One to definitely clear your schedule for and uh, tune into when they play at Marvel. And this one has got me beat. Because every time it's Fremantle versus Carlton at Optus Stadium, I've, I've jumped off the bandwagon for Fremantle, I jumped back <laughs> on the bandwagon, and then I want to jump back off it again because... Yeah. They've been hugely disappointing again. Yeah. And then meanwhile, I have put the line through the blues, but if we go back to the ladder, percentage is the best indicator of future success. 103.4% is not the percentage of a 14th place side. Yeah. They are, on paper, like with their squad, far better than 14th, but for myriad of reasons, they've had a, a terrible season. Yeah. The only good news for them is they're only uh, 10 points outside the eight. So... Who do we trust more? Freer at home will be hard to beat, but you just can probably never trust Freer ever again. I know. I know what you're saying, but again, at Optus Stadium, I probably trust Fremantle more. They just seem like to they seem like a different team when they're playing at home compared to away. They lost to the Doggies last week at Marble Stadium. Uh, very uninspiring performance. And then they, you know, the week before they beat Essendon. So they're capable of putting in a good performance and, yeah, you'd back them at home to do it. Carlton, on the other hand, yes, I know they, you know, made my Hawthorne look like absolute crap last week and they did the same thing to Gold Coast the week before. It seems like they've got their scoring power back. They've hit the ton um, twice in a row, so credit to them. But, again, you you got to take into account the opposition on both accounts, Gold Coast and Hawthorne. I think playing Fremantle away is a certainly different prospect. And, yeah, I'd, I'd probably lean more towards Dockers here. Yeah, and it really kind of highlights the weirdness of Carlton's season because the, the gaps they're smashing bad teams by suggest yeah. they should be a top eight side. Correct. And then whenever they get challenged, yeah. they, don't, they don't respond. Yeah. And so, yeah, this has been their first back-to-back win since round three and four. That alone for me is enough to say they don't win this week against Fremantle's a legit contender. Fremantle needs to kind of keep contact with the top eight. Yeah. Um, they're currently 11th, but they're only a game outside with that percentage with some teams like St. Killer on the slide, you know, Eston on the slide potentially as well. Um, there's, there's spots there to be grabbed and, and Fremantle can grab it. Yeah. The magic number here will be 80 points. If they keep games under 80 points, especially at home, they have a four and one record. If they concede more than 80 points, they just win two out of seven. So. Carlton has the ability to score highly as we've seen, but uh, yeah, all about that defensive integrity for Fremantle. Go back to basics, go back to what you built your brand on. Yeah. And uh, yeah, let's see, let's see some uh, integrity of effort. And, and if the Blues do happen to lose, that's probably season over for them as well. Um, that'll leave them with six wins after 16 games. Um, and then after that, obviously only eight games remain, so they'll probably have to win seven of those last eight to make the eight, you'd think. So um, probably season over if they don't get the job done um, in Perth. 
And I don't think I'd totally buy into a lot of their forwards having confidence back. I know, you know, Harry McKay and Charlie Kernos have been in the media this year for um, all the wrong reasons. They're kicking in front of goal, their confidence being shot. I, I didn't see much change. I know I know Harry McKay in particular kicked a couple couple of goals against Hawthorne on the weekend, but in the final quarter, he did have a shot from 40, 45 metres out directly in front, and he still opted for a snap rather than a drop punt. So that tells me his confidence isn't really back. And the kick, of course, lands at the top of the goal square, doesn't make the distance as you'd expect. So I still think he's battling some confidence issues and that's probably why I'm backing, you know, Fremantle's defense with Cox and Ryan and Pierce to get a hold of them. Yeah. Yeah. I think Fremantle's the tip there and yeah, you can't trust the Blues for the rest of the year. Three in a row will start to change the tune, but um, yeah, there's a long way to go before we can say they're actually back. You need more than a couple of wins against the Gold Coast and the Hawks. Now, onto everyone's favourite segment, Desktop Decision Supercoast Advice for Round 17. We're into the run home. Yes. How was your, what was your score last week? And did you get the dub? And uh, what's your overall position before you give off? the best advice you can get yes. in the podcast land. Well, I got I got the dub in the mini league. I, I remained first on the ladder. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, do, I scored 2,480. So it's a decent score, probably a bit below what the top 1,000 teams scored who got into the 2-5 and some into the 2-6, mainly because I got my captaincy choice wrong. I, got, uh, I had Laird as my captain. He only scored 80. Um, so yeah, not, not the best week. I'll need a bounce back. I dropped 377 spots in the rankings. I'm down to 3,800, but this is the week I'm pulling the trigger. I'm using three trades. I'm getting myself back up there and I'm going to finish off strongly. And this is the week I finally get rid of Oliver because I have held him for the last two months or whatever it's been. And, um, he has robbed me of a lot of points. So it's time to go. And if you still have him, I'd probably suggest getting rid of him as well because he could be back next week. He could be back the week after. Quite frankly, I don't care anymore. He's out of my team, Gordo. There we go. Get rid of Oliver and watch him blow up again, Deluxe, as he sees his uh, super coach. <laughs> Imagine that. You've already said you want to play. Oh. And then all these players, all of them play super coach as well. But you also probably check for the ego, you know, I wonder who's up in Supercoach this week. And you just see, oh, he went from like 99% down to like probably 10. Yep. An unloved uh, member of the AFL fraternity. Unlike yep. our fans who we love very much, thank you for listening to our Round 17 preview. That's all we've got time for. And uh, as always, may your team have a stellar weekend unless they're playing in our teams. Yep. Uh, in which case, we hope you lose.